Well, I want to start out today by just saying a special welcome to everybody who's joining us online. I'm so glad that you guys are with us today. And welcome to all of you guys as well here in Hastings. Glad that you guys are here as well. Uh, so we're in week two of a series that I kicked off last weekend called Infectious. And uh, we're talking about how um, just like in life you can get infections and you know how infections work when you get an infection, how it can spread and can do damage to your body. But um, what I'm contending kind of in this series is that not only can we get infected with, with diseases and with, with things that might harm you with your body, but we can also be infected with our words as well. In fact, I would say this, that you have power to infect those around you with the words that you speak. You have power to infect yourself, and also you have power to infect the people around you. Now, last week, as I kicked this off, I talked about uh, the words that you use when it comes to complaining, okay? And, and I don't know about you, but this week, as I've been thinking about how often I complain, I mean, it, it kind of made me realize that I do it probably more than what I would like. Can anybody relate with me on that, okay? A few honest people in here, okay? And so, uh, if you didn't hear last week's message, you can go back and listen to the podcast if you want, but I think one of the things that, that complaining does is it, it ruins our perspective of how amazing God is, how blessed we are in life. Now, I know that many of you parents um, in the room can relate to this, but how many of you would say that you've watched your child do something, um, you know, something that they should not do? Like, you saw them with your eyes. It's not that you heard them, that, you know, you heard somebody say that they did something, but you actually watched them do something, okay? You called them on it, and then they looked at you and said, I did not do that. How many of you have ever had a kid do something like that? Yeah, like literally, I have watched my boys like just absolutely wind up and hit each other. Um, I- I've watched my boys like steal a toy from each other. I've watched them do things like with my own eyes, I've watched them do it. And I, and I will tell them, I'll say, why did you do that? And they'll look at me with so much passion and they'll say they did not do it. I mean, literally, sometimes, like, they actually get me a little bit, right? Like, like I actually get to the, like, they will, they will work themselves up so much in, like, throwing, like, like, literally crying, I did not do it. Like, and of course, I think what they're thinking about is the consequence of what will happen. But they're, like, they've worked themselves up so much at times that I actually sometimes believe, like, wait, did I not see that right? Like, like, did they really, maybe he didn't hit him. And then I realized, no, they're lying. Like, They're lying to me, and that will kind of introduce our theme for today. Today, I want to talk about the words that you speak when it comes to lying. Now, by show of hands, um, everybody watching online, you can participate with this too at all of our campuses. How many of you would say this? Okay, now you're in church, to be honest, okay? That in the past 24 hours that you have told at least one lie, would you raise your hand if that's you? Raise your hand up. Come on, be honest. You're in church, for crying out loud. Come on. In the past 24 hours. Okay, Now, now lift them up. Lift them up. Now, I want you to, some of you, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm so glad I'm speaking on this this weekend because there's a lot of liars in this room, okay? Right? Now, those of you, I can't even tell you to keep your hands up because there's like none of you who raised your hand, but those of you who did not raise your hand, the the odds would be this, that you actually are lying in church, okay? Not only are you lying, but you're, you're liars in church because studies show us this, that the average person actually tells four lies every single day. Studies tell us, oh, really? No, not me. Liar, okay? (laughs) Studies would tell us that you tell four lies every single day. In fact, one study by the University of Massachusetts says this, that 60% of people cannot meet a new person, have a 10-minute conversation without telling at least one lie. 
That 60% of people, when they meet somebody for the very first time, they cannot have a 10-minute conversation without telling at least one lie. And that is exactly why this sermon will be nine minutes long, because I do not want to tell a lie about lying, okay? <laughs> you all wish it was going to be nine minutes long. See, I just lied. It's not going to be nine minutes long. See, there you go. I, there you have it. How does, so how does God feel about lying? This is what he says. He says this, that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Scripture tells us this, that the Lord, he actually detests people who lie, lying lips. Now, but yet he rejoices with people who are trustworthy and they tell the truth. Now, if you look at that word detest, what does it really mean? The, the Greek word um, for that and kind of what it all comes down to, the, 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 the English, in the English, it actually means it makes him nauseous. So you could say this, that when you lie, when I lie, it actually makes God want to vomit. Think about that. That every single time that we tell a lie, every single time that we tell a partial lie, that it actually makes God want to vomit. Now, I don't know if any of you are pukers in the room. Like, I don't know if, like, any of you, like, you do that on a regular basis. Like, I'm not a puker. I, um, in fact, I would say this. My wife and I, we kind of joke about this because my wife is a puker. Like, she, I, I don't know if there's a week that goes by that she doesn't throw up for some reason. It's really weird, but she throws up all the time. And I, I gotta tell you, I think, um, I bet you it's been at least 15, 20 years since I've thrown up. Like, I just don't, when I, even when I get sick, I just don't throw up. And, and so, like, but when I watch my wife throw up, it looks like the most painful, nasty thing that I, I mean, it's just, it does not look good. Like, I mean, and I don't know exactly how to relate, but some of you know what that's like to be like, you are so sick that you're vomiting, you're throwing up. And imagine this with me for a minute. Get that image in your head, okay? I mean, I know it's not a great one, but get it in your head. That's actually how God feels, Every single time that you lie. This is actually how Paul said it. The Apostle Paul, he says this in the book of Ephesians. He says that you were taught uh, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And what he's talking about is that when you decide to follow God, when you decide to step across the line and you say, I'm going to give my life to Christ, he says that you have this old self that you got to put off, and you're kind of going to a new self. And he says, and I want you to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what does all that mean? He says this, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. That, that he would say that, that when you decide to follow Christ, that we should be throwing off our old self and let him renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And really at the end of the day, he's saying, you should be truthful in how you speak. Stop telling lies. Actually, I want you to understand how, how serious, because I think sometimes we, we joke about lying and we kind of say, well, it was a, kind of a small lie or it really wasn't that big of a deal. I want you to understand how Jesus actually talks about lying, how much he detests and he hates lying. He hates it so much that he compares it actually to being like the devil. This is what he says. These are Jesus' words. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And speaking of the devil, he says that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Get this, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, it says this, he speaks his native language for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. He says that the way that the devil works and the way that he does things, and perhaps this is why he hates lying so much, is because his enemy, 
your enemy, if you're a follower of Christ, his number one weapon is to lie. His number one thing is to deceive and to lie, to get you to move away from God. And I would contend this, that every single time that we tell a lie, you are separating yourself from God. Because Jesus is actually known as the truth, and the truth will actually set you free, and the devil is known as a liar. So every single time that you and I choose to tell a small lie, a big lie, a lie after a lie after a lie, every time we do that, he's saying that you are actually speaking the devil's native language. And I think we're actually moving ourselves further and further away. In fact, I hope some of you will hear this today. Sometimes I think we justify our lying But I just want to encourage you and challenge you to be careful with that because this is actually the devil's scheme against you. This is actually the devil's plan. In fact, what I want to give you today is I want to give you what I believe is the devil's plan to move you further and further away from God. Some of you are here today and you so long to follow God, you so long long to go after God and you want a relationship with him and yet you feel pulled in all these different directions in life. It's not because you don't want to serve God. You have a great heart and you want to do it. You want to do it. Let me tell you the the three-point plan is what I would put it. Is what the devil wants to do to separate you from God, and it comes down to lying. In fact, you got a handout when you came in. You can follow along with that if you want. You can fill in the blanks. You don't have to do that. But I would give you three things that I think that the devil wants to do in order to get you to follow him instead of following God. And this is the first one is this, is that he wants you to just get you to tell lies to other people. Now, as you're, you're going to see as we walk through these, is that there are going to be different steps that you're going to take in order to kind of separate yourself further and further away from God. And the first thing that I think the devil wants to do is he just wants to get you to lie to other people, to tell a simple lie. And when you do that, according to Jesus, okay, not Joel, according to Jesus, he is saying that you're actually speaking the devil's native language, his tongue, It could be that we exaggerate a story a little bit. It could be that you say something to make yourself look better than what you really are. It could be that you cheated on a test, right? And all of a sudden the teacher says, did you cheat? And you think, well, well, I just just looked at my, my person's, you know, one question. Like that was it. So it's really not cheating. And so then you look at your teacher and say, no, I didn't cheat, right? But yes, you did. It could be lying about where you're at. And so you tell your parents you're in one place and you're really at a different place. It could be making up something about somebody else. You know, it could be this. I think a lot of us, we do this. We, we say partial truths, right? And so you hear gossip about somebody, and so you say to somebody else, did you hear about so-and-so? And you don't really know if it's the truth or if it's a lie, but yet you choose to speak it instead. And he would say in those moments, that's the devil. I think his first plan for you is to get you to lie to other people. And you think about it, it's amazing how often we We tell lies just because we want to impress somebody or we want somebody to think of us better than what we really are. And when we do that, I believe that that is step one in what the devil wants you to do. The second step is this, is eventually after you lie to other people, I think he wants to get you to lie to actually yourself. And some of you, I believe you might be here today And so not only do you lie to other people and do you tell a lie to somebody else, but often you might even in the midst of telling a lie to somebody, you feel bad about it. You feel like, I shouldn't have done that. But what we do next is that we actually begin to lie to ourselves. We rationalize our lies, right? And you start kind of doubling down on your lies. Or like in the beginning when I said, how many of you have told a lie in the past 24 hours? We don't even remember the lies that maybe we've told, okay? And we're kind of like our kids, or my kids anyway. We've worked ourselves up so much that we actually start believing our own lies. We actually start justifying the things that we say 
And we tell a lie to cover up a lie, to cover up another lie, and pretty soon we find ourselves lying to ourselves. And I believe that there's some of you maybe here today, some of you watching online, that maybe you've lied so much that you're actually starting to believe your lies. And you rationalize it. It's not maybe that big of a deal, or I can quit any time, or it's just kind of a partial lie, or it's really not that. I'm not hurting anybody. And so what do we do? We, we lie to other people, then eventually we begin to lie to ourselves, and what happens is, you aren't just lying to other people, but then you start lying to yourselves. And folks, I see this all the, different, all the time in so many different ways. One of the ways I find this, even in my own life, is in parents. I think parents, all of us, I think sometimes we tell ourselves lies about our own kids. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I think your job as a parent is to advocate for your child without a doubt. But can I just say something that you know, but sometimes we don't like to process? Is your kid is not perfect? And your kid can make mistakes. Now, you know that when they do it with you, but how often have we justified what our kids do when they do it to somebody else? So for example, here's an example. Your kid comes home and they fail the test. And you get so angry, not at your kid, but you get angry at the teacher because they're just not a very good teacher. Or maybe, maybe your kid didn't study. Or maybe, or maybe your kid is disrespectful in the classroom and they're not working hard. And see, what a lot of times what we do is we like to blame somebody else. We tell lies, well, my kid would never fail that test. My kid, oh, not my kid. My kid would never do that. Or they're at a party and somebody gets caught drinking. You would say, not my kid. No way. Somebody must have forced it on him. Somebody must have told him. And sometimes what we do is we begin to tell lies to ourselves, thinking our kids are actually better than what they really are. This is exactly what King David actually did. He thought he was kind of above the rules. He thought he was better than everybody else. Where he began to get to this place where he actually started telling lies to himself to believe that he was actually okay. Now, if you know the story of King David, he, he was actually at home when he was supposed to be at war. So that's the first problem is that he thought he was better than everybody else. Like he's supposed to be away at war, but he's home. He's one evening, he's up on the rooftop and he's up there because that's what people did in that time is they went up to the rooftops to hang out and he sees a beautiful woman across at another rooftop and she's bathing. And so not only does he just do something wrong by looking, and instead of looking away, he sends his servant to go get that woman, and he commits adultery with her. Now, if the story ended there, and David said, I made a mistake, I screwed up, and he owned it, but instead, what did he start doing? He started justifying his actions in life. And eventually, this leads to him telling a lie, which leads to another lie. He tries covering it up, and it, all, it goes all the way down to the, the place where he actually has this woman, her husband, murdered at war. Because he's trying to cover up his own lies. Later on, there's a guy by the name of Nathan who approaches King David and he tells him a story. He says, once upon a time, there was this rich, powerful man. And this guy had so much wealth. He had so, much, so many things. He had herds and herds of animals. And then there was a poor man. And this poor man only had one little lamb. And this little lamb, this poor man, he, he loved this little lamb. They viewed it as a pet. They viewed it as his own. And he said, one day, a, a gentleman came to the rich man's house and he wanted to have a feast. He was hungry. And so the rich man, instead of taking one of his many thousands of animals, he goes to the poor man's house and he takes his only lamb and he slaughters it for the meal. In the midst of hearing this story, David he says he's furious, he's angry. He says, that's the worst thing that I've ever heard. This rich man should be put to death. He must pay for this. And Nathan looks at David and he says, that man is you. David, actually, that man, it's you. 
that, that you're the rich man. And I think some of you today, let me just warn you, God may speak to you and say, that man, that woman is actually you. You're lying to others, you're lying to yourself, and you are living apart from God's truth. So what does the enemy want you to do? I think he wants you to speak his language, which is a lie because he is the father of lies. There's no truth in him. And when we convince ourselves that it's okay to tell a lie, he wins. When we we convince ourselves that we begin to lie to ourselves, he wins. And then the final thing I would say is this, is not only does he get you to lie to others and to yourself, but eventually what this leads to is he actually gets you to live a lie. Now, I don't believe that this is everybody in this room by any means, but you can see how slowly this begins to move. That you begin to tell a lie and you justify it. It's not that big of a deal. You begin to lie to yourself about how you're talking and the lies that you're saying. And eventually what it leads to is you actually living a lie, which in the end, if you do that, the devil wins. It's to claim one thing, but be something completely different. And of course, like I said, this isn't all of us, but, but some of us, I believe we can get to this place where we say that we are a follower of Jesus and we're passionate about God, but the reality is you're living a completely different life when nobody else is looking. You say that you love your wife and you look great and everything and you hold her hand and everything looks perfect, but yet you're emotionally, physically abusive to her at home. You come to church and on the weekend and you act like you're all for God, but the reality is every single weekend you're getting drunk on the weekend. You you say that on social media you look perfect and everything looks good, but yet on the inside you have suicidal thoughts because your life does not really reflect what you show on social media. And some of you today, I believe, maybe you fooled a lot of people, maybe even you fooled yourself, but maybe God will speak to some of you today and just say, stop living a lie. Stop living a lie. You aren't who everybody thinks that you are. Folks, this is one of my deepest fears as a pastor, that the devil is such a deceiver and that he has maybe even deceived some of you to think that you are actually a follower of Jesus and really at the end of the day, you're not. And that because you go to church or because we live in America, that somehow we're saved and somehow we're in with God. But when you look at your daily life, get this, there is no evidence of your faith. John, he actually said it this way. He says this in First John, he says, whoever says I know him, referring to Jesus, says like, I know him, I'm in with him. Like, like oh yeah, he's my buddy, right? I'm, I'm in, I'm saved. But does not do what he commands. He is a what? He's a liar. And the truth is not in that person. He says this, whoever says that you know him and yet you do not do what he asks you to do, he says this, you're actually a liar. You don't know him. Now, when I read that, it scares me a little bit, right? And here's what I believe. We aren't talking about perfection. Okay, if you have to be perfect to get in with God, then sign me up, I'm not in, okay? Because there's no way that I am perfect. There's no way that you are perfect. But when you know God, get this, suddenly what he's saying is your life is different. And a great question for all of us to ask, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are serious about going after God, what is different now in your life versus before you were a follower of Christ? And if you can't think of major changes, then I think that's actually a problem. For me, I can tell you I got saved at a really young age. I grew up right across the street from this church and we had a pool, and I remember at, I don't know how old, like maybe six or seven years old, I'm in the pool, and my mom led me to the Lord. I think it was something I wanted. I think it was something I desired at that age, but I got to tell you, there, there was no change in my life whatsoever. I went to church because my parents told me I needed to go to church. 
I, I, didn't, I didn't read the Bible. I didn't do any of those things. I just thought, hey, I'm saved. I'm in. When I got to middle school, I fell into temptations of smoking and drinking and doing things I shouldn't be doing. And I chose to go down that path. But yet I said to everybody else, hey, I'm a Christian. I love God. Now, when I decided to really rededicate my life to Christ as a freshman in high school, when I was like, man, I'm, I'm all in, I'm going after God, trust me, I've failed so many times, but when I look at my own life, there's differences in my life now. I try to read my Bible every single day, which by the way, if you don't use version, I'm telling you, you gotta use version. it's a free Bible app. Here's for, for me what works. I'm so, I'm, I don't, anybody in here competitive? Any, anybody, any competitive people? Let me tell you, get the version Bible app. What it actually has on there is it tells you a streak of how many days that you've actually opened up the Bible app and read God's word. Do you know what that does for me? Like, I'll sometimes be at home and be like, it'll be like 11.30 and be like, oh, I'm losing my streak. I gotta open up. Now, you might say, Joel, is that really a good reason to read the Bible? I think so. I'm in God's word. And, and if, if, you, if I can just be honest, I'm not perfect at it, but one of the things that I do is I desire to be in God's word every single day. Now, do I fail at times? Absolutely, I fail at times. But that is fruit of choosing to follow God. And I would just say this, what is different in your life now versus before you were a follower of Jesus? It's the devil's plan, it's his scheme to get you to lie. And so I was actually thinking about this this week. Why do we lie? Like really, I mean, I know, okay, it's the devil's scheme. He's, he, it's what he wants you to do. But why do we lie? Now, some of you, I think this, I think the reason you lie is because you want to protect people's feelings, right? Like you're just really nice. You're super nice. And somebody says, hey, how was that? And you know it was God awful. But you look at them and you go, it was, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. Because you're more worried about their feelings, right? I mean, and that's a nice thing. Like, you're protecting their feelings, right? Or, or somebody asks you, you know, does my outfit look good? And, and you would think, are they colorblind, right? And, and yet you don't want to offend them, so therefore you're going to maybe tell just a small lie. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe change everything. But other than that, it looks really good, right? And, and some of us, honestly, you do it because you're just nice. You want to protect people's feelings, But I think for a lot of us, the reason why we lie is because we're self-centered. See, I think the reason why sometimes I'll tell a lie is because I'm more worried about your opinion of me than of God's opinion of me. Sometimes I think that I will lie to make myself maybe look a little bit better than maybe what I really am. And so, you know, maybe we do this and sometimes maybe how much money you make, right? And so someone says like, what kind of job you have? And you exaggerate what kind of job you have or how much money you make. Or we even do this in the way that we live our lives with our money, right? And so we look like we have more than what we really have. Or you'll tell people how good you were at something or or how great you were at something when really you were just kind of mediocre. You know, sometimes I think we do this because we want the approval of other people, Kids, you see this in them all the time, right? Where, where they want their, their parents to approve or think of themselves like better than what they really are, right? So my youngest son, Caleb, um, every time we go down to Florida, um, we go lizard hunting. He loves, we're not very successful, but he loves to go lizard hunting. And, and so I was sitting there, this was a few months ago when we were down in Florida, and he was out hunting for a lizard, and he comes running up to me. He's like, Dad, Dad, I saw the biggest lizard ever, ever. I mean, it was so huge. I'm like, really? How big was it? And this is what he did. liar, okay? I'm like, really? Was it this big? And it was like, it was funny because he's like, yeah, it was like this big. You know, I'm like, are you sure it wasn't like that big? No, no, no. It was this big. Why? Because sometimes we like to lie 
for other people to approve us. And come on, you're not that far off. How many times have you lied to make yourself look better? Maybe with how much it costs or how much you make or how many points you had or how good you were or how many guys like you. And here's what it all comes down to, right? When you recognize the root reason why we lie, when you recognize the root reason as to why you lie to other people or ourselves or eventually live a lie, at that point, I think you can actually begin to solve the problem. And so the question would become, what is the root reason? Because if you know it, I think you can fix it. Now, in my opinion, this is what I think. I think that the reason why most of us lie is because we trust people's perspective more than God's. I think the reason why, for the most part in my life, why I will tell you a lie at times or why you might lie to me is because I personally trust people's perspective more than I actually trust God's perspective. I care at times, if I can be honest, more about what you think of me than what God thinks of me. So you're worried that that girl's going to think something negatively about you or that boy's going to think something different or that friend more than what God actually believes about you. And so here's what we do, right? As soon as I begin to lose credibility, just a little bit of credibility with you, as soon as I think that you've begun to lose faith in in me as, as who I am as a person, I think that I have to defend myself to make myself look better than what I really am. And if I can't use truth to defend myself, I will tell a lie to get you to believe better than me than what I really am in life. And if we can't tell the truth, eventually what we do is we lie. And so we think that a lie actually works better than the truth. We think that if I lie, it will actually keep us safe, right? But you know that, that when you lie, you actually get into trouble, right? And suddenly we aren't safe any longer because we're building our life on lies, not on the truth. We think that if I tell a lie, that maybe they will like me better. But the problem is, is that your relationship is actually built upon lies and it's not a healthy relationship. We think that if I lie, it will avoid conflict, but yet some of the best relationships are on the other side of resolving conflict. And at the root, what I think we believe is that lies work better than the truth. And the root reason why we lie is because we believe that my success, you believe your success, is based upon people, not upon God. Now, I know some of you might push back on this and say, Joe, I don't really care what people think of me. I don't really at the end of the day, I don't, if someone doesn't like me or somebody doesn't care about me, I don't really care. And maybe that's true. But one of the questions I would ask is, how many selfie pictures did it take for you to post that perfect one, right? I actually always wonder that. When I see someone take a selfie and they post it on Instagram, I think to myself, how many pictures did it take to get to that one right there? Think about that. Some of you, it's like 455, right? And you're like, the light's just right. My lips are just right. Everything's perfect. Why do you do that? Because you care about people's perspective of you. Come on. I mean, how many times have we said, no, 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 don't, don't post that picture because I look fat. Don't, don't, don't put that one up there because I look a certain way, right? Why? Because you care. Come on. All of us care about people's perspective. And the question is, is not do we care what people think of you. The question is, do you care more about their perspective than God's perspective? See, lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom. And Satan wants us to tell lies, to believe the lie, and to eventually live a lie. In Jesus, he wants us to walk in truth, to experience the truth. Because the truth will actually set you free. Uh, let, let me explain it to you this way. If, if this vessel right here represents your life, 
And these ping pong balls represent people in your life. Or even better than that, if they represent people's perspectives of you in your life. Then our life, as we go through life, you understand this, that our life soon, our vessel and, and, and who we are, gets filled up with people's perspectives. So at a young age, you had a brother who told you that, he was, that you were fat. And you have a teacher that tells you that you'll never amount to anything. And sometimes the perspectives are good. Like a teacher says, man, you're going to be really good at that. And you have a parent who maybe you feel like doesn't care about you very much. And as you grow up, you have different people who begin to invest in your life and tell you who you are as a person. And of course, as you get older, it doesn't stop, right? Some of you are like in high school right now and you have people begin to tell you, they say, well, you should go to this college. And why don't you go to that college? And why don't you go to that college? And no, you shouldn't do that. You should go to trade school. And you should join the internship program. And you should do this and you should do that. And you have all these different people investing and giving perspective in your life of what you should do. And then, of course, once you get to college, they say you should invest in, or you should um, major in this or you should major in that. And you have all these different people telling you the different things that you should do with your life, right? And of course, as it doesn't stop there because you have friends at college that tell you if you don't get drunk, then you're actually not cool. If you don't party, then you actually are nobody. If you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't have sex before marriage, then you're really going to amount to nothing. And eventually what we do is we begin to fill our vessel with people's opinions of us instead of God's opinion of us. And so what we slowly do is as you get out of, out of school, it doesn't end there, right? Because somebody says, well, why aren't you married yet? And you should marry that girl or that boy or you should get with that person or this person or that thing. And why don't you have a good enough job and you don't make enough money and you need to do this and you need to do that. And you should drive a certain type of car. You should be at a certain type of house by this point or you should be doing this and that. And what we do in our lives is we slowly, we begin to fill our vessel with people's opinions of who you are as a person and what represents you in life. And so this is our life. Now, now, now this is the amazing thing. In, in, the, in the book of Second Peter, he, he refers to this idea of how God has given us everything that we need. We're going to put these up on the screen if you guys will in the back. It says this, by his divine power, get this, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. Now, what's amazing with that is he says this, that if you desire to live a godly life, if you desire to not live a lie and, and be based upon people's perspective and you want to be based upon God's perspective and what he thinks of you, you don't have to live this life. And some of you would push back on that and say, no, no, Joe, that's not true because I remember all the way down here when, when that person at school told me that I'm fat and to this day, I have an eating disorder because of what this person's perspective was of me. And Joel, this one right here represents my ex-husband who told me till death do us part and yet they walked away and they cheated on me. And so how can I not let that define me, who I am as a person. But yet Peter says this, he says that God has already given you everything that you need for living a godly life. How does he do that? He, he goes on to say this. He says, well, we have received all of this, get this, by coming to know him. We've received all this by coming to know him. He says that the way that you receive this, the way that you get this is by coming to know God and, and you can go to the next slide. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So this is what Jesus says. He says, for all of us in our lives, we care more about people's perspective. So how do you live a godly life? He says, it's simple, by coming to know him. How do you come to know him? You spend time with him. And see, so what happens in our lives is as you begin to spend time with God, and all of a sudden you decide, you know, I'm going to start reading God's word on a regular basis. I'm going to allow that to fill me up. And I'm going to start coming to church on a regular basis. And I'm going to join a life group. And I'm going to start serving. And I'm going to start filling my life with God. And some of you, you're here right now. You've been doing that for a while. And you go, well, everything kind of looks the same. 
See, see, this person's still down here. They still are represented in my life and it still makes me feel like I'm worthless. I still feel like I'm not adding up to anything. But he says this, that I want you to continue to use me and fill me and watch what happens as you begin to fill your life up with God. He says, all of a sudden, the lies, they begin to fade away. He says, all of a sudden, as you begin to fill your life up with God, he says, one by one, these lies begin to be released from your life because you don't have to believe them anymore. You can believe the truth of God. But the problem for many of us is this, is that we've stopped right here. And so you have a lot of God in your life. You have a lot of Jesus in your life, but you still have these things that are represented. And God would actually tell us that this means that you're living a lukewarm life right? So in other words, yes, I love Jesus. I come to church, but I'm still going to get drunk on the weekend. And yes, I love Jesus, but I'm still going to struggle with pornography. And yes, I love Jesus, but I'm still going to, you know, do this thing with my friends that I know I shouldn't be doing. And yes, I love Jesus, but I'm still going to tell lies. Why? Because we haven't allowed God to truly fill you up. You haven't cared enough about God's perspective versus your own perspective and people's perspective. And I don't want you to feel guilty today. All Jesus is saying to you is you just got to keep coming to me. You got to keep getting to know me. And he says, as you keep getting to know me, as you allow your vessel to be filled with me, he says, eventually the things that you used to believe, the things that you used to think defines you, he says, those things can no longer define you. Because he says, as you fill me up, as you allow me to influence your life, he says, the things that used to define you, they no longer define you any longer. If you allow me to use you in your life, Now, here's the amazing thing about this. Because for a lot of us, we go, okay, Joel, I want my vessel to be filled with God. I want to be represented by Christ. I want to do all these things. But yet, this thing keeps coming back. Bad toss. This thing keeps coming back. But the amazing thing is this. It can only stay on the surface. See, so when when the lies of other people and their perspectives begin to come back and they say to you, you don't have a good enough job, you need a different job. You shouldn't go into ministry because you don't make enough money. Those lies can only stay on the surface and it doesn't matter how hard I try to push this ball down. It can never go into the bottom because it will never fill you up. Why? Because you've allowed Jesus and God to fill up your life. And that's an amazing truth. For some of you today, you've allowed people's perspective to fill up your life instead of allowing God to fill up your life. Now, some of you, you need to hear this today. You might say to me today, you know, Joel, I feel like God is holding something back from me, right? And the reason I allow people's perspective to fill me up instead of God's perspective is because I feel like God's holding something back. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a direction that you want to go in life. And I want you to hear this. Maybe God isn't holding it back from you. Maybe God is actually holding it back for you. Maybe the reason why God is not giving you everything that you want right now, because God sometimes doesn't give you what you want for actually your good in life. I believe that this was true for me when it came to marriage. So for me, I was 28, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to die single one day, man. I mean, it's, just, it's all going downhill. And for me in my life, I kept thinking to myself, why won't, why won't God allow this relationship to work? Why won't he allow that relationship to work? Why won't he allow these things to happen? And I think God was saying to me, Joel, I'm not holding it back from you. I'm holding it back actually for you. And until you allow me to fill you up, those people have things in them that I don't want to define you. And until I'm the center of your life, until I am everything, until you've allowed me to fill up your vessel, those things then they can't stick. But if you don't allow me to fill you up, those people will end up sticking in your life and I don't want that. And then this is the amazing thing. When you're filled up with God, here's what's so amazing. You get people in your life, you join a life group who holds you accountable Okay, or wives are really, really good at this, and they see something in your life that's not good, and they're like, ew, what's that? Like, 
what, that's not you, Joel, right? And, and they see you kind of like acting a certain way that you know is not who you are, and they see it and they go, that thing's on the surface. Get rid of that thing. That thing's ugly, right? Why? Because when you allow God to fill you up and you care more about his perspective versus what other people think of you, that's where we find success in life. I'll end with this. Some of you are thinking, okay, I want God to define who I am. But sometimes God doesn't feel like he's enough. Not that you aren't for God. I mean, you're here, right? But that car, it's kind of calling your name or that boy or that girl, that relationship, that house, that job, whatever it might be for you. And I'll just say this. That is a lie that the devil wants you to believe because if God isn't enough, no person ever will be for you. And you can keep believing the lie. You can keep believing that people will fill you and their perspective matters, but it won't. And in the end, when we do that, we have fallen into the devil's plan to get you to lie to others, get you to lie to yourself, and eventually begin to live a lie. But when you fill up your life with God by getting to know him, reading your Bible on a regular basis, praying on a regular basis, coming to church, doing the things that matter, it doesn't mean it's easy. But he says this, I've given you everything that you need. And I think we can infect people for good. And I hope that this week you will seek the truth. Because I believe the truth will set you free. Now, before you go, let me just real quick say this. This summer is one of the times where, for some of you, this is where you find yourself not being filled with the things that need to be filled in your life, right? And so you're busy, you have plans, you have vacation. Can I just encourage you, continue to fill your life with the things that matter. Continue to get to know God on a regular basis. That means coming to church, it matters. It means reading God's word, it matters. You know, we have Monday night services starting here in just a couple weeks. Every single Monday night, we'll have service at 7 p.m., normal weekend service. If you're gone for the weekend, come to Monday nights, be a part. Because when you do these things, I know they seem so minor, like it's not that big of a deal, I'm taking a couple weeks off. But what it does is it refills your vessel and you live in the truth. And the truth will set you free. Stand to your feet, I'll pray for us. And then you'll be free to go. So Father God, as we go this week, help us to live in truth because God, we know at the end of the day, the truth is the thing that will set us free. So God, I just pray for every person represented here who maybe they're even struggling with certain lies in their life, things that they believe about themselves. I pray God that this week they would come to know you and they wouldn't stop this week, God, but next week they'd fill you, be filled with you again and again and again. And God, may you overflow in their life. We look for you to move. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week. There'll be people up front to pray for you if you need prayer.